Hey everyone, on November 15th, 2023, we recorded three episodes of the show in front of a live studio audience at The Main in downtown La Crosse, Wisconsin. Here's episode two from the Balancing Act podcast live. There may be a cross-reference or two from the first episode, so it may be helpful to listen to episode 118 first. The cross-references are minor, so if time is short, it's perfectly fine to start the series here. Enjoy. (laughs) Welcome back to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempe. On the Balancing Act, we talk to business leaders and industry experts to explore the balancing acts we play in our professional lives and learn about the events that put rocket boosters behind their career success. Today we have Matt Binsfeld joining us. Matt is president and CEO at JF Brennan Company, a leading marine construction and environmental remediation services company based right here in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Andy. Hey, uh, Nick, I think we need an applause track for the regular episodes when, when we do this. That's uh, a, a good, good idea. So, Matt, before we get started, please tell our listeners your story. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me tonight, Andy. It's a real honor to be with you and with all of you here tonight. Um, I grew up on the north side of La Crosse, French Island, in a family of uh, three boys and one girl, so there was five of us. Um, uh, actually, I, I know you're going to have Jake on, and uh, he grew up on the same street as I did. I think he has the distinction of being the first guy to give me a black eye, so uh, we grew up together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So, but you know, growing up, it was a real Tom Sawyer type existence. Existence. We lived on the water. We were out boating, fishing. Um, it was a competitive household. We did sports, and you know, my brothers and I joke that uh, at night we'd come home from practice, and our mother would throw a pan of meatloaf out there, and we'd go at it like wild badgers, you know. And so, it, it was a competitive household, and but it was also a household that we're very fortunate to have two wonderful parents, and, and our father, uh, you know, in particular, did a great job about having my brothers and I around the business, right? So we did a lot of dirty jobs and things like that, uh, growing growing up and, and working in the business, but. Um, he had, a, he had a rule, it's a family rule that you, uh, you, know, you, you do the dirty jobs, you go to school, get an engineering degree, you go work for the competition, get an MBA, and at such time your resume is attractive enough, we may rehire you. <laughs> so uh, I followed that route to, uh, uh, to Marquette and majored in rugby and then also picked up a civil engineering degree. <laughs> and, uh, and then from there, uh, moved to Texas and uh, worked down there for a company similar, similar to what we do at Brennan. Um, and then uh, went to Tulane for, for an MBA. And then uh, mid-2000s, 2005, 2006, found my way back here. My wife and I are married today and live in La Crosse, and we have four daughters. That's awesome. So the rugby thing, I hear you also play hockey. That- that, that's Not true. well, but I do, yes. <laughs> so maybe we could get Jake on e- either the rugby pitch yeah. or on the ice, and you could give him that black eye yeah, back. payback, right? <laughs> you could do that. So, uh, Matt, tell us about your rocket booster moment. Yeah. What, what, uh, what's that event in your life that really was a key accelerant? Yeah, so tonight I really debated about, you know, how to use this or, or not. Um, 
you know, first of all, I've been really fortunate to have some great mentors in my life, uh, you know, the most of which was my father. I worked with him for a lot of years and was able to, you know, learn under him as I've grown in the business and on my leadership journey. But um, a little over 10 years ago, we had a, um, a very significant accident here in town. Some of you may remember it. It was a, a vessel that sank here uh, just up by Lock 7. And a young man lost his, lost his life in that accident, and it was the worst. I mean, it's one of those situations in life that it's just you don't think it can get worse than that. And um, there's so many emotions, right? You have so many people that are hurt, you know, not only physically, but then, you know, families and coworkers and things of that nature. And, um, you know, to see how my father, and, and I was part of it, but under him, to see how he, you know, was the strength there for those people, right? And, and the, the leadership in making sure that they had what they needed, um, but also that the business had what they, you know, it needed. And at the same time, you're just, you're absolutely scared because you don't know what's next, right? You're just inside, you're hollow. And um, it was an experience that, you know, I just, I, I learned so much from him and through that experience about, you know, when a situation like that occurs, how to, you know, how to, to lead through it. And fast forward 10 years later or so, and, and um, a much less serious situation, although very serious, was COVID, when COVID hit. And now I'm in the president role, and, you know, the world came to a stop on March 17th, right? And we didn't know if it was safe to go back to work, if we could go back to work, how we could, and the emotions of people were so high, right? Yeah. They were just, it was anger and fear and all these different things. and. And thinking back onto that incident, like how I could be a, a, a leader, even though inside I was panicked, scared, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, right? right? How to be that leader to lead through that, to make sure that you were the strength for the people and that they saw that you knew that where the business was going, uh, but at the same time, you're able to manage your own emotions inside so that you can be that type of leader. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for starting that off with uh, your father as your mentor. I, I am so fortunate tonight, uh, everybody. My parents are right over there in that, in that booth. So uh, spe speaking of mentors, uh, we, we, we have them in, they're in the building, people. <laughs> so. Tell us more about the history of J.F. Brennan. Uh, what's been the primary growth engine for the business through the years? So we're a family business. We're in our fourth generation. Uh, my brothers and I today lead the business. Three other brothers and myself, we lead the business. Uh, it was started by our great-grandfather, uh, basically on a farm with his brother in Lansing, Iowa in 1919. And the business at that time was to go out and pour concrete barn floors. That was, concrete was really coming to be a material of use uh, within barns and it was a way to keep, you know, cows feed out of the mud and what have you. Uh, and so that's how they started the business. And, and from there, you know, every decade it went on into the next generations and we went into to home building and then, uh, you know, more commercial work and then into heavy infrastructure, dams, roads, railroads, bridges, things of that nature. Um, and then finally, you know, in the 60s or so, there became this incredible focus on water. And so today, what I like to tell people is, you know, our business, we're pretty much coast to coast to coast throughout this country, but our marketplace is in, above, adjacent, and below the water. And, and that's what we do. Everything we do is, is water-centric. 
And so when you ask, you know, what was, what was the driver of that over 100 years, the, the answer is, well, it's, it's changed, right? Because, you know, in 1919, the driver, the growth engine was concrete barn floors, right? And, right? and today, you know, it's environmental remediation, perhaps, right? So it's changed over that time. But I think our story, right, and, and the point is this, is that it's incredibly skilled and good people. I always say if my great-grandfather were to come back today, he wouldn't know what we're doing. He wouldn't know the people in this business. But I think he could look around and he'd say, man, this, I know that culture. I, I know that culture because I, I really feel that the culture we have today was founded by, by Jim Brennan and his brother Gene. Yeah. Congratulations on what is now 104 years. That's mm -hmm. quite, quite an accomplishment. So, Matt, let's talk. This is the balancing act question. Uh, when your business takes on a big infrastructure project, what's the primary balancing act that you guys are playing? So I, I think it's, it's in three areas, right? But let's just start out with area number one where there's no balance, no balance. And that's when it comes to safety, right? If it's not safe, we're not gonna put somebody in, in, in harm's way. There's right. no compromise on that. So there's no balance when it comes to safety. Let's move down the list here, right? Let's let's talk about risk, like uh, you know the balance around risk, whether it's operational risk, execution risk, um, materials risk, things of that nature. And our projects can be anywhere from a couple hundred thousand dollars to you know several hundred million dollars, right? So it's a pretty big gamut, and there's a lot of risk there. And how do we balance that risk, right? Honestly, it's it's good people, good skilled people working in great systems, right? If you have highly trained people that know what they need to do, working in great systems, that, that's how we manage that risk. And I also think there's a third area as well too, and I, I know all of us in this room, or at least all of, you, all of us who are out working in our careers, we have to balance clients, right? And, and so there's also that client or customer balance, right? And so, um, again, you know, many times when we're working with clients as they're developing projects and things of that nature, you gotta balance their expectations with reality or cost realities, right? And so, but here again, it comes back to having people who are versed in, in you know, communicating the realities of that and, and working with these clients in a way that, you know, can take what their vision was and mend it with where the reality is to get a, a product that they, that they want or that they, you know, say, hey, this is, this is a great product. Yeah, the, this concept of uh, risk management and your consistent theme around people and uh, people resources. I know we're gonna talk about that a lot more, uh, but this is a place where I'd just like to pause and point out to everybody that having the right people in the right roles and having those roles well-defined mm -hmm. is how the whole people equation really starts to sing. Because if you don't have roles and responsibilities well-defined, my dear friend Mike Pyer, what happens? People start to work at cross purposes, they run all over each other, they start uh, telling stories about what's happening in that other terrible department over there. The, the kind of cancer that develops within organizations 
really gets its start through poorly defined goals, poorly defined roles and responsibilities. So when, when your leader is saying, we've got to figure out and, and know, exa you know exactly what everybody is doing, there, there's, a, there's a reason uh, for that. And it's about building uh, a great culture and great uh, results for your, uh, for your customers. Um, let's shift gears to your specific career arc. What's the most important balancing act that you've played that's contributed to your success as a leader? You know, as I think of you know my leadership journey or the journey I've been on, right? It's it's um, there's been a lot of bumps in the road, right? You you, you learn by making mistakes, right? And. Uh, I could write a book on the mistakes I've made as I've, I've gone on this journey, but... We all can. Yeah. And, <laughs> I have. But, you, you know... <laughs> it, it, yeah, you have. I have. You wrote two books. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you want to know all the mistakes, yeah. uh, most of the mistakes are in the first book. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. No, I, I would say this, right, is as a leader, and we all as leaders, you know, face this balancing act where you know, the best type of decision is one where you can get everybody behind it and consensus and everybody's like, yeah, that's it, right? Because that's going to create engagement, it's going to create buy-in, it's going to it's gonna create ownership of that decision, right? Um, and most of the time in leadership, right, you that lever, like that happens, right? You build that consensus. It may not be unanimous, but, it, but it, you have that consensus there. But there are times as leaders, and this is the tough thing, and this is, I think, why they say leadership can be lonely, right, is that there are times that you have that lever where you say, guys, we got we to gotta do this. We got to make this move. We got to push forward, right? And you got to pull that lever. Now, you can't pull it all the time because you're going to create people that are just going to be looking to you and not making decisions themselves. Right. But every once in a while, you got to say, you know, guys and gals, I, I believe in you. I know we can do this. We got to be bold here. Let's press forward, despite the fact that you may not have everyone on board at that moment. So, it's a balance, right, on when to pull that lever, when not to pull that lever. But it's, um, you know, and, and like I said, when I've made a lot of mistakes in my career, it's pulling that lever when I shouldn't have, or or not pulling it when I should have. Yeah. Well, thank you for shi really shining a light on that uh, that subject because. We, uh, we are moving out, thankfully, moving out of a world of highly directive leaders and managers who it's my way or the highway or no way at all. And I was one of those leaders at, 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 one, at one time. But you can't move all the way to a consensus approach. Uh, where where everything is a vote by committee because a nothing will get done right. and you'll and you'll miss some uh, some some really really good opportunities so that that is one of the big balancing acts that uh, that we're playing in society right now so we're going to take another quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Matt Binsfeld. Hi. I'm Andy Tempty. Over the past 35 years, I've learned a lot about business leadership and I'd like to share those lessons with you. Ask yourself, how do I create an effective, sustainable management operating system? How do I design smooth workflows to better serve the customer? How do I balance organizational trust with accountability? The Balanced Business describes the practical, step-by-step -step process you need to answer these questions. Order your copy today wherever books are sold. 
<laughs> and we're back with Matt Binsfeld from JF Brennan. Uh, Matt, JF Brennan is a large family run business. And I'm on the record in this piece of work, uh, uh, very strongly uh, advocating that uh, your business is not your family. Families are precious. Families are mess. Are messy, messy, messy. Remember uh, the the badger, uh, the meatloaf badger <laughs> example. So you know, families are messy. Uh, I'm interested in your perspective on the intersection between family and business. What advice do you have for leaders of other family-owned businesses to get that balance between family and business right? Mm -hmm. So here's what I would probably say two things. Well, number one, right hats, right place, right? Wear the right hats in the right time. And, and number two, lean in. Families are messy. Family businesses are messy. It's just the way it is, right? But there's also a great beauty in it as, as well too, right? And you know, why is that, right? Is that you look at a relationship in a family business, take me and any one of my brothers, right? You know, in a normal business, we would go home and at night, and that would be it, and maybe you work together for a number of years, and, and those relationships are pretty well-defined, right? But in a family business, those relationships, you know, they go from when you were a kid till today, right? Like, my brother is not going to forget about the rock I threw in his face when I was 10 and he was 8, right? You know, and so, but that's part of our relationship, and, we're, and our relationship is the sum of our experiences together, right? And so what I find, you know, even in our family and, and family businesses, when you talk to other families and businesses, that as you go through life, sometimes you start to get hardened ideas about, um, you know, who somebody is or, you know, he's always been a big brother or this or that. And, and sometimes it can affect communication and break down communication. And that, that's to my point about leaning in, right? When you feel that, and you can feel it inside, like, man, I'm just not talking to my brother. There's an issue, but I'm not talking. Lean into that, right? Lean into that communication. The other one is right hats, right place. And, th and this, we talk a lot about this, my brothers and I, about we work in the business, we're board members, and we're family members. When you're in a company meeting, you can't wear your family hat in the company meeting. All it's going to do is create disengagement. It's going to, you know, everybody's going to be looking to you. Nobody's going to have that ownership of their decisions, right? Uh, so you, you but when you're in that family meeting, just because I play the role of the CEO in the business, I'm just one of 12 voices in that family, right? right. So now it's a relationship of influence versus direction, right? So being uber aware about what situation you're in and what hat to wear would be the other piece of advice I would give people. Great, great advice. Um, Matt, we talk a lot on this show about the balancing act between technical skill, what I'm going to college to learn, if you're in accounting or whatever, the, the nuts and bolts uh, of it, and the human skill that's necessary to navigate uh, the, the world of work. We no longer, by the way, show up at work in a suit of uh, in, you know, in a suit of armor, emotional armor. Uh, you know, we want to folks to bring more of their whole selves into the world of work. If you had to name two top, the top two human skills that are just absolutely essential for your team members to hone, what are those skills? Connection and accountability, right? And, and I think in our business, right, we're in construction, right? 
your ability to connect with, with people on the front line as well as you are able to connect with a board member is, is critically important in our business, right? Connection creates engagement. Connection creates communication, right? Connection gives people the sense of ownership, right, in, in the business, in their decisions. So connection, I think, is hugely important. Now, connection without accountability is just an acquaintance or a low-level friendship, right? Like, in business, though, you also, you have that connection, but you also have to have that connection in a way that if you have goals or you have, you know, whether it be corporate goals or personal, you know, growth goals, things of that nature, that you're keeping people accountable to that. Uh, and so I think those two skill sets, right, together in tandem are, criti are critically important to learn. Yeah, we, uh, Matt and I met uh, prior to, to this event, and the, the second book here, The Balanced Business, centers around this balancing act between organizational trust. We all want to get along. We all want to uh, trust one another. But we've also got to get stuff done. We've got to be able to hold one another accountable. And if you just have these superfluous surface level relationships within the business and nobody knows what anybody else is doing, uh, if you expect trust to be built in the business in that kind of environment, I'm here to tell you that the fastest way to the bottom of the trust ladder is by breaking a promise to somebody in, uh, in, in another department and not delivering on time. You just go right back down to the bottom of the trust ladder. So I, I really get a kick out of pundits and folks uh, in the business media saying, oh, it's all about building trust in uh, a, a trust-based culture in organizations. Well, where's the accountability mm -hmm. uh, piece of that? It also has to be front and center. So, um, Matt, here are your lightning round questions. Um, I also have a time machine for Matt. We're going to stuff him in it. You get 280 characters to go back to a previous version of yourself. What's the message? What's the previous version of yourself? Yeah, so uh, this is where Neil really sh shines. So good, good answer, Neil, on the last one. I, <laughs> I, I told my wife my answer isn't as, as good. But uh, I would go back to my early 20s as well, too. And probably the first thing I would tell myself is, uh, Matt, when uh, 2020 rolls around, take a sabbatical. <laughs> um, you know, in, in reality, it, this is what, you know, I remember myself in my early 20s and, you know, it's just, you're so like locked into, you know, you want to advance in your career, you want to just take everything on, you want to, you know, it's work, 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 you're focused and, and um, I would go back and I, I would tell myself, you know, take the time. Take the time, not just to make decisions and things of that nature, but take the time to appreciate the relationships in your life. Um, on the day my oldest daughter was born, 15 years ago, uh, I met a grandfatherly type who was, had a child or a grandchild that was born that day and he... Uh, you mean he, somebody my age? Well, <laughs> he looked much older. <laughs> But he said to me, you know, Andy, he said to me, 18 years will go like a blink of an eye. Yeah. Will go like a blink of an eye. And, uh, you know, she's going to be 16 this summer. And uh, where have 16 years gone? 
And, yeah. and I even say to myself, have I fully enjoyed the relationships and time I've had with her to the fullest extent? And the, the answer is not enough, you know, not enough. So take the time to enjoy those relationships. Yeah, your, your career is indeed a journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, do, we, we have students in the front row here, and the, the rat race can get the best of you, and uh, take, take a breath every now and then. It's, 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 okay. a, it's a marathon. It, yes, it is a marathon. So uh, second lightning round question, as a leader, you are committed to uh, lifelong learning and growth. What are you learning and uh, what are you working on right now? Yeah, so, you know, I've come to the realization I'm starting the back nine of my career, right? And that's kind of weird to think about, but, but the end is getting closer than the beginning. And, um, you know, on the first nine, when I was on the first nine holes of my career, you know, you're always thinking about your leadership journey and the sense of, how am I improving my leadership skills, right? Am I, am, am I learning about emotional intelligence or resilience or so many of the facets that, that make up what you envision at that age as a good leader? As I get to the back nine here, I, I'm starting to realize to myself, and, and I spend a tremendous amount of time and effort um, really focusing on the concept of stewardship, right? This business has been around for 100 years because it's had great stewards. And the reality for me is, is that this business is going to be much more resilient, much more sustainable if we create great leaders around us, right? And we grow that leadership pool within our organization and our team. Uh, and so my focus is on our team, on growing the talent uh, that will ultimately, when we pass that baton, my brothers and I, in, in 20 years, that, you know, that it's, it's we're passing an organization that's just going to continue to build and to grow because it, not only is it founded on good financials and, and all the blocking and tackling, but it's got the leadership in place to continue to, to thrive. Yeah, I, I just ask everybody to focus on that word stewardship, stewardship because in this, in this life, we, you know, we focus so much on ownership. But do we really ever own anything? You, you bought that fancy new car last week. Do, do, you, do you own it forever? We, we treat things like we own them forever, but we really don't. And certainly, if you want a long-term sustainable business, uh, focusing on stewardship uh, like, like Matt is doing here is, uh, is, is wonderful. Final question, Matt. What's next for J.F. Brennan? What excites you? And what keeps you up at night? Yeah, so let's start in the back and we'll, we'll work to the floor just like Neil did. Um, so what keeps me up at night? You know, we, we only have a minute. Yeah, okay. Well, we, <laughs> we've got inflation. We've got a workforce population that's shrink, shrinking. We've got a slowing economic times, right? It, it feels like it could be a Japan in 1990, stagflation and things of that nature, right? Yeah. Now, these are all existential type threats, right? And so... I can't control that, but what keeps me up at night is how can I control how we navigate that, right? Um, what excites me, right? What excites me is that this world, this world is changing in ways that we haven't seen since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. We're learning to repower ourselves as a, as a country. We're learning how to retransmit power, transmit power in new ways. There's been a focus on infrastructure renewal like we haven't seen in 70, 80 years in this country. 
new chemicals, uh, constituents, uh, chemical constituents that require remediation. Uh, there's focus on that area. Human adaptation to global climate change. These this type of work is reality. It's already happening. It's, it's a hugely exciting time in that regard. And so what excites me is thinking about, okay, how do we capture that? How do we capture these opportunities, right? And what it comes down to um, is people, right? Human capital, skilled people. And, um, you know, there's an old saying that uh, talent in this world can be found everywhere. Talent is everywhere. Uh, opportunity is not. What excites me and when I think about Brennan and, and where we're going as an organization is how can we be that type of organization that provides opportunity for talent, undiscovered talent, talent that doesn't have the opportunity to thrive. How can we be that organization to provide that opportunity? And I believe if we do that, we are going to be on the leading edge of solving some of these incredibly big challenges we have in front of us, but incredibly exciting opportunities. Matt, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. You are a fantastic guest. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. My name is Andy Tempty. This is the Balancing Act Podcast. You can find us on all the major streaming services. Please like, subscribe, rate, and most importantly, share this public good with your friends and your neighbors. We'll see you next time.